0: For more information, visit multrimobile.com. Now it's time for the Michigan Life Outdoors podcast.
1: Okay, welcome back everybody to another episode of the podcast. We are in kelly's house here kelly this, welcome hey thanks for having us over anytime boys nice and uh cooked us a beautiful meal here what did you what did you cook for us tonight tell us how you prepared it well we had some backstrap tonight so that's
2: always delicious cooked over an open fire on the patio yeah gotta in, tell them tell them about that uh open fire how you made that arrangement yeah pretty cool just some stainless steel square one inch uh, tubing welded together and a Nice L configuration with a boat crank cable system. Uh, pretty, pretty simple. Uh- contraption we have there but super nice to raise and lower your cooking grate and uh, the nice thing that i really enjoy my personal patio is being able to remove the whole contraption to get it out of the way and still have my open patio concept and then when i want to cook bring it back in so i love it that that fire taste over the that smoky open fire taste is just
1: you can't beat it now, do you pay attention to what would you burn over when you cook? I don't. I burn whatever,
2: <laughs> whatever lights I'm burning it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that stuff out there is ash. I, I, I'm a big fan of. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I'm sorry. It's not ash. It's maple. That stuff I burned tonight was maple. Okay, come from the backyard. Extremely dry. Uh, burns hot. Um, I know a lot of people use oak or uh, you know apple or different things. I'm not. I'm not super fancy in that aspect. But uh, um, this maple back backstrap of awesome. back bacon around it, wrapped with your wire. I'm talking, this is a 9.5 out of 10. This is amazing. Yeah, so cleaned up a couple back straps. Real simple. Laid some bacon on both sides and wrapped it in some some string, cooking string, if you will. When do you pull it off? What internal temperature? 135 for venison. Big deal with venison. Do not overcook. It has to be nice and pink, red, tender in the middle. 135, let it rest for a few minutes and enjoy.
1: What seasoning did you put on it? That's a good
2: question. <laughs> Everything, I, yeah, uh, yeah. Don't be afraid to overseason. I actually, um, I actually just got some new stuff. It's garlic and it's a similar product to Lowry's. It is not Lowry's, but it's one of my new favorites. And we'll get you the answer to answer that question. What bacon a flavored?
1: It's like a Montreal steak seasoning kind of yeah. thing, right? The bacon
2: seemed like flavored.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, bacon was not flavored. Nope. Just your standard 12-ounce uh, pack from the grocery store. Damn good. Well, was, thank you. You're like... It was top-notch. It's nice to have everybody together. We got Tom, Cowbell. Carson's back. CP style yeah. back in the house. Carson, where you been? Man, we've been busy with them kiddos living the life. We're doing uh, the gymnastics, wrestling, and life training and prog-
1: progress, I call it. That's right, man. That's cool. You've been posting a lot about it, so we know you've been busy, but but we're happy to have you back. I'm <laughs> blessed to be here. Um, first week of March here, and um, we're going to... This episode is going to recap. If you go back two episodes ago, uh, Kelly and uh, Tom were venturing north to Lake Ogebic. And they're going to talk about their experience up there. It's kind of cool to get their perspective because they were first timers heading up that way. I had fished that lake before. And this, the reputation of it in the past is it can be very challenging to to fish. It's, uh, it's not one that many ice anglers can just go on a whim and go up there and try to find the fish. So, these guys are going to talk through kind of like what worked for them, um, some of the environmental things that they had to adapt to. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good conversation for a lot of people to... To learn. So with that, let's give us a brief recap. You guys took off and spent a week up there.
3: Uh, no, it wasn't quite a week. We went up there for about five days, five days yep. in,
1: in the middle uh, beginning of February.
3: Uh, yep. Right. End
1: of January, beginning of February.
3: It was the last week of January, last week of January, yeah, the
1: 24th. Okay. So this is when everything's getting colder in Michigan. And then up there it is extremely cold. And a whole new le- a whole new level of cold. Yeah. The weather was pretty extreme for sure. Start with do do this. Start with the conditions of the ice first, and then we'll get to the conditions of the weather. So like how thick was the ice, how much snow was on there, and then we'll get into the weather.
3: Ice was super good. Um pretty much consistently everywhere we drilled, I would say there was sixteen to twenty four inches of ice. Okay. Like extremely safe everybody was running their machines on it good to go uh the snow was pretty nuts um lots of drifting 20 mile an hour winds we had three foot snow drifts in some spots and six inches of snow in other spots uh we had to use a snow shovel to dig us a hole out before we set our shanties up. You know, it was, uh,
1: that was going to be my question. Did yeah. you guys dig down? You didn't drill through we the We had
3: snow? to, because, yeah. uh, you'd set your shanty up. Uh, we, we run like flip over hub style shanties and you set your shanty up and your sleds on top of that snow. By the time you get to the ice and drill your hole and clean everything out, you sit down in your shanty seat and, uh, it's like a three foot drop, you right, know, because you're yeah. sitting on two feet of snow right. or whatever. So yeah, you pretty much got to dig that whole square out before you set it up which made things considerably hard because we're pretty mobile. We like to run a gun and move a lot, and we like to find them. And, uh, and the weather was just, it was not easy to do that. We ended up riding out a lot of holes that normally I think we would have been gone already. Yeah, so I think a better word is impossible to do that. So
2: we <laughs> you basically couldn't fish outside of your shanties, which um, it just the extreme colds to give you some perspective. The real feels at one time were negative 19, negative 20. Okay. I'm sorry, that was the actual temps was negative 19, negative 20 with wind chills down. We were south of negative 30. So we were perfectly warm. We were well prepared for the elements. But the fishing rods just do not tolerate that cold. So whether it doesn't matter, I mean, just in a matter of a few seconds of being out of the shanty, if, you, if we drilled some holes even to, you know, check some depths or whatever, we couldn't. Everything froze up so quickly. Our rods were freezing up. Our line was freezing up. The augers. The augers
3: were freezing solid in one block of ice.
1: Oh, oh so, for, so the outside of the plastic, like,
3: yeah, I see what you're well, saying. So so. I, I run, like, uh, the Pistol Grip by Eskimo. Yeah. It has a ring on the bottom for cutting the mace. Yeah. It's a solid circle, and that circle would freeze by the time I got it out of the hole. <laughs> I would have to use a torch and a hammer, break the ice before I could drill the next hole. Wow. And Kelly's got the K-drill, and his worked a little bit better. That's what I got. It K didn't K have Nils. the ring on it. The K-drill? I have a Nils. Nils. You have
2: Nils. Nils. I have a N-I-L-S Nils. It's a 6-inch. We typically run a little bit smaller uh, drills than some people. I know some people go to the 7, eight, tens, or whatever, but we run the 6s because we're typically pan fishing. Um, that's all we need to run. So, my is an all steel auger um, with a steel head on the end of it and uh, did a little bit better than toms because it didn't have the, the housing around yeah. where ice and water could freeze and, and could trap but even still at the end it was just like a, a four by four you know what i mean like there was no auger left it was just one solid so oh, wow. all those challenges were really interesting and you top that with we have mechanical machines right so we can't Trust that our fuels aren't freezing or our machines are gonna start. So every hour or two, we were starting machine to make sure that we were going to be able to get, yeah, up, get up You get ice. a couple miles out, snowmobiles and stuff. Snowmobiles. We had one snowmobile and two quads. And I, I know the snowmobiles are typically the machine of choice for ice fishermen. I have not dealt with <laughs> the amount of snow that was on the ice. That was one of the <laughs> biggest factors that uh, you know, I wasn't prepared for. Typically, big open area. The snow blows off the ice. It drifts, and it goes to land. Uh, Anywhere we fished around here, you know, you get a few inches. Even if you have a foot of snow, there's typically only a few inches on the ice because it blows off. There, it was, I mean, it was at least a foot average with three-foot places, you know, three-foot depth of snow.
3: Four-wheelers could not handle it, even the Mm -hmm. 1,000cc. Yeah, I took uh, K&M 1,000 with like mud paddle tires and a snorkel like built for mudding and uh I made it through quite a bit, and then I had Kelly on there pulling two shanties, and like we just couldn't do it. I got the
2: old 1988 (laughs) Moto 4. It's a $400 special about 25 years ago. It made (laughs) it farther than it should (laughs) have. Listen, it did run like a champ, but as far as going through about more than four inches of snow, it was not the piece of equipment to bring.
1: You go fast enough, that thing would probably stay on top of the snow. It It, did sometimes.
3: (laughs) The thing is, it doesn't go fast enough.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so conditions are really hard. Um, However, I would say, before we get into how how we did fishing, we were the only, The only. the only, That's normal. fishermen that were on the lake. There were, so, do you
1: take that as a compliment, or do you take that as a... Well, well you don't know, you know how you take it. We were still the only ones. <laughs> you don't know how we
2: did fishing. Yet, yeah, exactly. We so <laughs> were smart or we're dumb. But, uh, <laughs> no, we were the only ones. There were hundreds of snowmobiles out there. Okay. But they were typically bar hopping or riding. Right. There was not a single, even all of the permanent shacks had no machines out there. People at the bait shops said, there's nobody fishing. Do not go out fishing. It is not worth your time. Nobody is catching anything. Uh, we're on the... Facebook post for Facebook group for up in that area and absolutely zero people having any
3: success on the lake, which is crazy. So it's dead, dead. The Co- guy had the bait store. So we were the <laughs> only ones that bought bait that week.
1: Who'd you wow. buy bait from? Uh, Timbers. Timbers. Yep. Shout out Tim from Timbers. And, yeah. And super wigglers. Great
2: place. My first experience with wigglers. That was cool. Super cool. And if you've never fished with wigglers, I haven't either. Um, they I love look Wugglers. like. Mini dragons under the water. (laughs) They They have they have little fins sticking out everywhere. Can (sighs) we get them around here? No, they're mayflies. They're mayfly larvae. Are they super small? No. Hmm they're like about an inch I mean big. some big ones are almost an inch they're back.
1: bigger they're like the size of like those white grubs but they're just yeah. they look like he said they look like dragons they got yep. like all these tentacles and like their their back tail like kind of comes all the way up to their face and
3: I was super impressed on how hardy they were like they, they didn't die and, and they, they don't fall off the hook they don't very fall off the hook they don't die they wiggle the whole time and and they're not real finicky
2: they yeah. like they don't just lay there like a waxy or something I mean they it was cool oh, somebody's true. been holding out their whole life telling me about these things I don't so know They're a never secret. Them. I don't know if you can get them down here. And I was also informed that that lake is known for an incredible mayfly larva hatch that is one of the best locations for them to harvest them. And
1: It's because of the bottom and the bottom of the lake. Yep. So that's why the perch gets so big in there, is because it's like a buffet. You know, it's like... Us having backstraps here, but it's just laid out for, you know, that thing's 11 miles long, I think it is, from north to south. And then the mudflats run like right down the center of it, kind of thing. And those bugs just live in there. And then the perch, I mean, their bellies—that's why they get so big. They just drag it on the bottom and kick up yeah. those mayflies and eat them all year round.
3: Those wigglers—it makes sense. That lake—if you look at it on the map and like just mm-hmm. dissect it a little bit, you know your depths and all that stuff—it does not look like it'd be great. It's so flat. There's not a lot of terrain, you know, differences. And oh, I totally disagree. I'm going to disagree with. But I we love, found where we needed to go. <laughs> I love that lake layout because
2: it's not a big circle. It, you know it's not a bowl. It is like two miles wide and don't don't quote me on all the details here, but it's two or three miles wide and it's, was 14,
1: 15 miles long, or maybe it's 10 miles long. I thought it was like 11 or 13, something I like that. I thought it was
2: even more than that, but I'm not sure. But I love it, because it goes from 0 to 20, so you have a drop-off on each side, plus you have suspended you know, things in the middle and drop-offs. And th- I thought it was an extremely cool lake to fish, especially if you have a good app that shows you depths going in there
3: that you can really target some areas.
1: Fun fact, on the lake, there's two time zones. You have central yes, and eastern on that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we stayed
3: in one time zone and fished in another. Yeah. We screwed that up one morning. Yeah. We were like, why are we an hour behind? Right. Yeah, we screwed up. Yeah. So, it was a quarter mile from our it cabin. Was, yeah, it, was it was literally we, we drove out of the parking lot, took a right, a
2: couple of yards, and then we were in an hour. Isn't that wild? Yeah, it, yeah, it, was, it was, crazy. was pretty cool. Did the phone switch? The
1: times on the phone Yeah, my
3: phone would switch. Yeah, my truck <laughs> took a long time.
1: So, okay, so elements were rough. So, you guys went. you guys went during a time of year that,
3: you're not supposed to go. It's extremely pretty t- normal for you yeah, guys.
1: exactly. So not that you can't catch fish, but so the locals are telling you, hey, don't waste your time. But you guys drove, what is it? 10 hours, eight hours.
2: We like had ten or eleven unbelievably bad road weather conditions. <laughs> yeah, so yes, driving to and from was just awful.
1: Right, so then you got bad conditions and it's like you're there, might as well fish, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every day. So tell me, okay, so okay, let's do this. Tell me your plan going in and let's hear how you guys adapted throughout the week. So what was your plan going in?
3: Uh, I got there a uh, day before Kelly did okay. with another one of our buddies that fishes and I basically used you you, Lee. Yeah. Uh, you gave us the app uh, Navionics. Navionics um, dropped a couple pins on there, and then I went on Navionics and went on Onyx Maps, and basically just picked apart the lake like I thought it would be, and I dropped some of my own pins in between your pins and uh, my pins that I dropped. Uh, tried to explore as much as we can that first day. My goal was to punch a bazillion holes and travel the whole lake and find the fish before Kelly got there. That was what I wanted to do. Right. And uh, the weather was so nuts that. It, uh, so
1: you can't hole hop?
3: No, it was brutal, man. Right. Super brutal. The weather was extreme. How many different holes did you fish day one when I wasn't there?
2: Probably about eight. I would that's say. a lot. And like. I say it's a lot just because I know the conditions. Right. Normally, I I would say we fish twenty plus, you know, north of twenty, but eight in those conditions are pretty
3: impressive. And I think the only reason we did eight is because I was literally going to Lee's pins. I was literally going right to a pin, popping holes, setting up shanty for an hour. Yeah. Going to the next pin. I wasn't exploring. I was literally checking pins. Yeah. And that's all I was doing. you had a couple spots marked out that we thought might be crappy and some that might be walleye. We were looking for perch, obviously, but I was willing to catch anything that bite.
1: Remind you, I dropped those pins first week of March. Yep. Sure. So the conditions and the fish... Is going to be different, but that's all I had to go off of. Yeah, sure. but yeah.
3: if you look at the map and where you drop the pins at, like it's a no-brainer. Like there's got to be fish there. That made where it's, sense, yeah, right? It made sense. The whole thing made sense. Yeah. Why? What made it make sense? It just the the terrain difference on the bottom of the lake and stuff like that, and and fish the drop-offs and the little ledges and and everything. I mean, yeah, it so, looked good.
1: So Navionics isn't like. I think it's something that's worth the money. I think it's like ten bucks or twelve bucks. It might—I mean, inflation. Who knows? They probably increased it. <laughs> so, whatever it is, it's like it's less than twenty dollars. But it's an app that you can put on your phone. One, it's a good safety thing to have on there because if you're going on a body of water that you're unfamiliar with and you don't know how to get back to the, the boat ramp or whatever it is, it's cool to have on there. Secondly, um, it's detailed enough to make you somewhat deadly on a lake rather than to go there and like not have a GPS or sure. not have a, a Lake Master chip it's deadly enough where you can go there and they see the contour lines where you're like okay somewhere in this area there's a drop off and that's when you just got a hole hop like you said it works great yeah
2: it's the onyx of water yeah and I also think it's important to say when we bring up products here you know we're not indoors there's no kickbacks here we're telling you right. it's because we use them not yep. because there's any incentive for us to bring these up Absolutely.
3: Uh, that's that's important I would say one thing about um, the Navionics it was, it was awesome I would totally use it again I'm going to use it again uh the water depth was different i don't know how much they update the app or if it was updated so uh timbers where we bought the bait said the water levels was down uh, two to four feet and we noticed that while we were fishing sure according to our flasher depth and what the app said. So just keep that in mind. I don't know how often. No,
1: I think that's good to ask that question. So, I mean, anybody going anywhere, ask the water levels, are they normal, high, low? And then you can kind of do your calculations from there.
3: And you don't know if the app updated it or not. I don't know what their policy is on that. I didn't look into it or anything, but it was off about four feet in some spots quite a bit.
1: Damn. Okay. So hole hopping is kind of out of the question. However, the eight holes that you drilled... What were you looking for? I was trying to mark fish. Like oh, that but it. what what like were you were you looking for those steep breaks? Like, would you go from fourteen feet to eighteen feet, and there what Would you like? I mean, like, what were you finding yep. when you were moving around? So I
3: was looking for the steep breaks. Um, like I said, you had some of the pin drops, and it was right on those breaks. You know, it was that flat coming off the shore that was twelve foot deep, and then it dropped down in that eighteen foot of water, and we were fishing those ledges and um i was basically trying to mark fish i didn't mark fish until the end
1: of the day did you have a camera
3: i did not have actual camera okay we run a marking flasher and um a hummingbird flasher
1: so the camera that's when i said it's a tough like to drop a camera down in because it's really mucky down there and Mm -hmm. it's really dirty water however what i would do is sometimes like if i drop that camera down there and i can see um any kind of like change. So if I see hard bottom at like closer to shore and then I would keep drilling holes, you can kind of see on your flasher sometime with the, the feedback that you mm-hmm. get off the bottom. If it's that, if it's a solid, if it's a solid red or if it's like a transition red into like yellow, if it, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, mm-hmm. like you can tell what's hard bottom, what's not. But sometimes I know you can't see the fish on the camera in that like, it's tough, but you can at least get the camera down there to see like, is it when I hit the ground, is it stirring up a bunch of muck? Am I seeing sure. nothing or is it when I drop it down, it's like a thud and it's hard. Am I hitting logs? All that kind of stuff. So that's what I kind of look for when I was in there. If I saw logs, if I saw any kind of structure change or bottom change, I would sit right on that change and kind of just hang out there. So it's just one thing to, to keep in mind, but continue.
3: We did notice that, um jump around a little bit, I noticed that when we did end up marking fish and finding some fish, they were in that soft bottom, that, uh, yeah. that like sooty bottom. Mm-hmm. It looks like a bottom and there would be fish underneath of that and they yes. would come up out of that. So yeah. if you just dropped a flasher in there, you might think, I'm not marking shit, like there ain't no fish here. And then you start doing some crazy jigging, maybe bouncing off the bottom, they would come up out of that soot, out of that soft bottom what and they you, would just appear.
1: What do you think those fish were?
3: Uh, perch perch. Yeah, that's exactly they right. They had to be down in the that's exactly right trying to eat wigglers. I'm yep. not sure when the wiggler hatch is, but, uh, they were right down, like right on the bottom. They wouldn't show on that flasher.
1: I think they use their bellies to stir up the wigglers. Yeah. like <laughs> just they, they call them teeter pigs. They're literally look yeah, like pigs. Like huge. their bellies just drag.
3: So we fished Lake Simcoe quite a bit in Canada. We caught some jumbo perch. Uh, yeah. So that's like world-class phenomenal. These perch are right up there with Simcoe perch. They're jumbos.
1: Okay. So day one you're and me you're saying lee this yeah. wait wait
3: it's you're killing me here do you catch anything or what so day one we we whole <laughs> hops a little bit we end up finishing the night with five jumbos right before dark 45 minutes before dark and in my head i'm thinking holy crap we found them you know what i mean like right. you know, five jumbos 45 minutes before dark obviously that's prime time you know they're biting or whatever but uh we end up pulling up five really good fish, you know, in that 12 to 14 inch range. And I'm like, yeah. they're all pigs. So Kelly's showing up the next day. I'm like, dude, we got fish. and We're, we got a good area. Like we're, we're on them. We're in the right area. Um, so that was the goal. It was basically the next day we started out right back in that hole. Um, but yeah it took us all day to catch five first, and that was the last 45 minutes of daylight and that's another good thing to
2: bring up too because that's the expectation going in and I was thankful for that because if you compare simcoe to that lake they're not comparable in the numbers of fish so if you go to simcoe if you find them you find them like we're gonna catch until we catch our limit whether you know 25 50 whatever that limit is we're gonna we're gonna just slam them and we're gonna fill five yam bucket right at this lake, I was warned and I appreciate the the heads up that yeah. if you catch, you know, three to five fish, that's a good day. And so that expectation really helped me a lot going in that my goal is three to five fish. And so that to me was really helpful that, OK, I got to catch one fish every two hours. And so that was just kind of the pace and the minds that I had going in. I showed up late that night, the first night or um yeah, it was late like the first night. I show up like four. I saw a ton of deer. I was like, "There's no deer up there." I saw a ton. We had a blast. <laughs> Drew around. I must have saw 30 deer like around the lake within a mile of lake. I'm like,
1: "That's good to hear in the UP."
2: I'm like, "Screw fishing." I'm like, deer. "Where's the Where's the public land?" That you no, know. So right. I was in, I went to full deer hunting mode. It was a blast. Um, I got to eat my first. What's it called, Thomas? Uh Pasty? Pasty? Pasty. pasty, pasty, pasty. I got to eat Puzzle my I first pasty it. over the bridge. Uh, someone paid my toll over the bridge. I was so fumbled; that I forgot to pay it forward. So I went to the gas station, gave him five bucks, and said, "Hey, next time you see someone <laughs> needs something, pay it forward to them." I felt like such a jerk; I didn't pay it forward to the
1: person behind me. They didn't call you a troll, did they? They called trolls over the bridge. <laughs> so you came up to the toll,
2: and it was already paid. Yeah, and there was like it was a huge line, oh, and nice. it was in a rush. And she's like, "You're good, go, go, go!" And I'm like, so. Confused, I was like, so she literally just told me to go through, right? So I just, I just floored it, and I'm like, wait a minute, somebody paid for me, and I didn't pay for the next person. I'm like, this is not okay. Like, I'm not good with this. Like, we <laughs> have, we have a That's big, a bad way to start on a trip, a big belief in karma. Like, we we don't like to drink that. So yeah, kind of a side note, getting off topic here, but yeah, I went to the gas station, we got a few things, and and uh, I'm like, here's an extra five. Whoever needs it, whoever you think is the right recipient today like Pass this along and uh, do good so, things. Yeah, pay it forward. But and you got a pasty and you didn't get ketchup or gravy. That's what I'm told. You know, I'm an amateur <laughs> this. No so I didn't know it was right or wrong. But God uh, damn it, I think they did give me ketchup. But you know, I wasn't really instructed. <laughs> Kelly was like, "What's that. the ketchup for?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no like, idea. It's like beef stew rolled up in a, I don't know, a flour tortilla or something. But oh,
1: dude, welcome <laughs> to the UP. Yeah,
2: no, it was good. Uh, not many roads behind the times. I really thoroughly enjoyed the drive you know, pretty... Desolate or vacant, especially that yeah. time of year. I mean, not a lot of occupants, you know, living up there. A lot of businesses shut down. I, I just, I really enjoyed the tour through there. I've been there since I was a kid. Um,
1: it's kind of nice because I almost seek that sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like hmm, you look for that release or you look for that just kind of ruralness or just like, yes. I like, think I'm it's just way.
2: perspective, right? So make sure you appreciate your area, sure. what you have yeah. available to you, and you see other places like, oh my God, somebody lives in there. You know what I mean? Right. Like, holy crap, I, I, I got it pretty good.
1: Was it? Did it start snowing as soon as you got on the other side of the bridge? Uh, Oh, all the way up! Yeah, all the way. And
2: there's basically the way I understood it um, was there was just two main roads that traveled uh, to the west, like across the whole, uh, you know, UP. And our GPS. I, I think we took the south one going there and on the way back we took the north but if you get stuck behind a slower person you got bad conditions yeah. i was thoroughly impressed with the salt trucks because i think it helps there's only a couple of roads up there but they were out just like crazy plowing cool. and they did a great job more snowmobiles and vehicles especially once we got to town uh, so i enjoyed the whole atmosphere the whole environment you know just as much as fishing but we got there and uh, yeah we we Pretty much got ready to go and plugged the, the diesel in. I was a little bit worried. I had yeah. to break in the, the, the little garage. I, I didn't hurt anything, but I had to break in to get to a plug. That oh, okay. I was super worried about my truck not starting. Just I brought in a couple of extension cords, but I couldn't I'm like, Where am I gonna plug this in? <laughs> so truck started, everything good. I tried to get these guys rolling out we have one guy that's uh, a little slow moving in the morning like listen i'm gonna leave you (laughs)
3: i'm like if i drove 10 hours to get here like tomorrow morning four o'clock we're leaving you know so you gotta do all the stuff that uh no one sees no one tells you about you know you get done fishing at the end of the night you gotta unpack all the trucks and bring all the gear in and then you go in the bathroom in the shower and there's four augers in there that are de-thawing because they're blocked the hot water on and yeah and you got you know all the bibs are, are wet they're all hanging up to dry and all the poles are froze the reels are frozen we bring like uh you know electric
2: strips like the plug-in strips outlet yeah. strips because we well, you just charge so, many so much things. Shit. yeah, yeah man, everyone's none. got flashers and backup flashers and batteries we had Three or four extra, you know, twelve volt batteries where like machines aren't going to start, trucks aren't going to start, this and this and like all the things you know behind the scenes. Some of it's a little over the top, right? But that's what it takes to be prepared. And it's uh, uh, like for an someone. assembly line. You have a hey, you're getting the food. You're going to yeah. get the sleeping bags yep. on the and the beds. Hey, why don't you charge all the stuff? I'm going to go find extension cord for the truck. But you're... you get better at it as you go. Mm-hmm. As the
3: trip goes, everybody knows their gig.
1: Well, it's important, especially in those conditions, like you can't you can't mess around or take or get lazy up there especially no. in those conditions because if you if you get lazy in any aspect of that it is totally going to ruin your next day and that's your vacation time that's your time away from your family like you said everyone's got a job it's like everyone's kind of got to be dialed in get everything set for the next day then crack your beers and start sure. you know then you can relax but if you're not dialed in the next morning you're wasting your best fishing time at first light all that kind of stuff so it's like it's important to stay somewhat dialed in It's not life or death, but it can be make or break your day if you're not.
3: It can be. I mean, maybe not so much that trip, but yeah, it was was cold (laughs) enough to where, like, you better dry your gloves out before the morning.
1: Sure. You got to get serious and be like, shit's got to work the next day or else it's going to ruin your day. It was
3: two hours worth of work every night when we got back. I mean, we were getting up at 430 in the morning fishing and it was was a lot of work for sure.
1: So going into day two, Mm -hmm.
2: you saw Promise. Yeah, we were excited. Tom had the spots picked out. Were you
1: impressed with the size of the perch?
2: Absolutely. Okay, um, good. There's great grain. I mean, I've seen them size perch before, but coming in, just there was no dinks, right? So, that's always, like, encouraging. Like, these are all jumbos. Like, cool, man. Like, you know, we'll get on them. What's a jumbo? What were the perch
3: like? How big were that's they? It's perspective, right? What's a jumbo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> a, anything over 12 inches with a big old gut on it for a perch is good. And um, P- Poundage-wise, what do you think? Like, oh, And God. they're all one and a one and a half pounds. Okay. Know? And we, we caught some that were in that two-pound range, I think. Easy. Okay. Um, I saw them. They're... They huge. Big perch. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: So we drove about 20 minutes from the cabin morning of day two. Uh, we had four guys total, Thomas, myself, and two other guys. One vehicle pulling a 20-something foot enclosed trailer with machines and shanties. And then uh, just one pickup truck as a second vehicle. Uh, we got bait. And we had a pretty long drive where we accessed the lake to where we wanted to go, a mile and a half. Yeah, which doesn't seem long. It doesn't seem long, but in the conditions, you had to be fully face-masked up, fully goggles. We're in the dark with headlamps, so my silly self brought tinted goggles that's, That's stupid. stupid. <laughs> <It went laughs> dark out, right? Don't do that. I, I went to tunnels, and like, you I, couldn't take them off because your eyes will freeze. Your eyes will freeze. Your eyelids freeze. So,
1: frostbite I, is probably a serious thing up there for sure.
2: I was yeah. not cold. I was completely thrilled with all of my gear. I didn't have any complaints, but I couldn't see. And then you breathe, and I probably have poor uh, equipment as far as the goggles go and stuff like that. So it would like seep through the nose piece and get in the goggles, and then it would frost instantly. So, like, so I'm like. Driving And I'm like Please don't hit the brakes Cause I'm like I'm just gonna run Right up their butt You know And smoke them Or whatever But uh I was definitely the weakest link as far as machine goes. Uh, I mean, there's no question. The well, the 88 board, wasn't in the snow. The Moto Four could not handle it. So <laughs> the one guy was in front. It started though. That's pretty oh, good. It was fantastic. It, was it ran <laughs> great. But it,
1: is it electric star or pull start?
2: Oh, it's electric. Is it? Don't, oh, don't be dogging on the Moto well, Four. The battery. car battery strapped to the car I have a It car doesn't battery. fit, so we had to strap the battery. Well, I want a bigger one. I want that thing to start. I <laughs> strap it right to the rack, and I have four. <laughs> long cable extensions just to get to oh, the battery it's, it's better than it. that it's 14 2 house wire so i took house <laughs> wire i stripped both ends and i extended it like four feet so i could just put it on the rack start on fire yeah That's great. Um, oh. it's insured for 200 bucks <laughs>
3: <laughs> the policy
2: was <is> only 190 <laughs> yeah. so anyways we had a long trek in the morning um i had one guy following one guy in front and i was the middle and uh it stuck quite a few times, jumped off the machine and, and went. And uh, we got most of the way, I would say if, it's a, if it was a mile drive, I made it 0.8 miles out of that mile. And it was just stuck. We were following the shoreline, and we got to the point where we were getting close to our pins, where we had to veer toward the center. And I was just, the snow was too deep. So, at that point, it was decision time. We ditched the <laughs> machine. We left it right there. I think he was in it. <laughs> it couldn't no, we couldn't go anywhere. We dropped
3: the so, pin on it and left. So, <laughs> at that point,
2: I jumped out with Thomas, and we pulled... Uh, him and I rode on one machine uh, with both shanties, and then the snowmobile was pulling the other big shanty. So. Did
1: you ride the shanties, or did you get on the machine?
2: I rode the machine, Okay. Uh, yep, and... That thing was a beast, um, got us out there. And we were basically at the pins at daylight. We were mm-hmm. super happy with timing. Again, the first day of the trip, or first couple days, give yourself a ton of extra time. Yeah. Long story short, we got set up and um, we pretty much didn't move. We moved a couple times throughout the day. And I think we ended with a, uh, you know, I don't know, a three or four fish a person
3: average on the day. Uh, actually, we, we ended with a limit, so you can only keep five fish over twelve inches. I yep. the Ogibic, and yep. uh, we had our five fish for our four guys. Did that's we great. have twenty day yep. one? Yep. What well, was your day two? My day my one, d- yeah, day d- two, yeah, day so, two. Technically, we had our big fish limit, not a perch limit. We had our right. big fish limit.
1: So, getting back to what you guys said with expectations, when you texted me how you guys were doing, what did I say? What did I say?
3: Yeah, I, you said we were absolutely crushed. I said it. that's but
1: fucking again, awesome. You guys are killing
3: it. It's it's perspective, right? That's so right. I'm, I'm I'm wanting to do better. And I'm like, we we should be doing better. We should be catching more fish. Right. And uh, you're telling me, I'm, I'm texting you, asking you like a little kid, "Hey, are we are we doing good?" And he's like, "You guys are crushing it. You guys got them. You're on them. And like you're doing great." And I'm like, "Okay, I don't, I'm not sure how to feel about this." Like I thought, I thought we'd catch more. Yeah, we.
2: I noticed a lot of your pins were on the actual drop-offs. So say there was a you know a 16 mm-hmm. to a 20 foot drop there. We were catching our fish in the holes. Okay. So we would yeah, go into the center of the deep spot as opposed to being on the ledge where it was actually the <laughs> drop-off. So whether that's time of year, whether that was their think, behavior, whether they were actually feeding or if they were just cruising, there's a lot of factors there. Water but depth played a factor in that. We watered, were down four feet. Yeah. Water depth, so they might have been hanging in the holes, but we found the deepest water we could get and they were little holes. They were some of these holes were like 50 yards in a circle and they were just little deep pockets and we sat and we didn't move if we were marking a fish every half hour that was we learned that that was a good expectation like the fish are cruising through remember our goal is five fish a day so if we can catch a fish every two hours or so that's what we were going for. Again, you, you get really, especially Tom and I, like, we, we want to move. We want really to. <laughs> Did you go back to the bait shop? We went back to the yep, bait every shop. Every morning. Well, every morning and midday yeah. we started running out of bait because we keep changing lures. And I was like, okay, one wiggler's not working. Well, maybe they want two wigglers. We had treble hooks on these lures, which uh, some places you can and some places you can't use treble hooks. Um, That lake is a, a lake that you can use treble hooks. So at one point, I had three wigglers, one on each treble hook. Other times I'd have two wigglers and a waxy. <laughs> and I kept changing presentation to try to, mm-hmm. because you're like sitting there, like, I haven't caught a fish in an hour. Like, <laughs> what else do I got to do? You know? <laughs> no, I
1: think that's important. And what I was doing is that when you put them on either side of the treble hook, it's like a teeter totter because they wiggle their tails. Sure. So it's just going to give you more momentum. And as one feels the other one moving, the other one feels it's weird. They just in tandem move their, move their tails. So those perch are used to those th- those sun movements right so that's mm-hmm. what they're picking up on I don't know what you guys were doing. Maybe talk about it a little bit. Were you jigging or were you just kinda like just leaving it leaving it right this there? was a
2: mix. So let's start with saying every single person up there told us do not jig. <laughs> do not jig. <laughs> including me. I told set. you guys
1: when you go yeah. up there, I go, It's not everybody a jigging up there. It's dude. not a jigging bite. And I'm and every like, person we talk Wait a minute, you want
2: me to sit here for four hours? You want me to watch a fish come on the screen, I ain't marked in an hour, and you want me to stare and look at my, <laughs> my pole and not do nothing.
3: <laughs> just dead stick it. <laughs> That's right. That's everybody
2: says So, I will say my opinion is that the majority of the time the dead stick was the way to go. Sometimes you get frustrated. A dead stick, they'd swim in, they wouldn't look at it, they swim right away. And I'm like, all right, that's it, I can't do this anymore. You know? so, <laughs> and I, then the next one would and I jig, and I actually got some fish to follow my jig up. Okay. I was like, OK, maybe jigging's got a chance. But all in all, I would say that more fish were caught off of dead sticking
3: than uh, from from jigging. Or Yeah, motion. I would agree. But we did catch some jigging out of just pure I was marking fish the whole time, and they weren't hitting a dead stick, and they would be on my screen for 10 minutes. And I'm like, cool. I got nothing to lose. And um, go for it. majority of the time, I'd say fifty-fifty. If I could get them to come up and follow it, they would hit.
1: That's good because then you can have two depth presentations. So a lot of times in my shanty, I'd put that dead stick next to me and the hole next to me. Mm-hmm. If you have the capabilities to do that, I know you guys might have been single man shannies, but if you can, if you can run two in there, have one dead stick maybe higher up in the water column. Mm-hmm. So if they're following yours up and they get to the point where it's like I'm not going after that active one. They see that dead stick over there to the you know to the side. A lot of times that would work for me, and that's when I said the the GT um, uh, snare rod worked really good because you they would have a minute to sit there if they put it in their mouth. As you guys know sometimes those fish would bite and you don't even know that that hook is in their mouth. Yeah. So the good thing about the snare rod is that they would load themselves up on that, that soft or that fast action tip. And when they got to the backbone of that, that snare rod, it would, they would snare themselves just like it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And that was the key. And actually the technology and the inspiration for that rod was built off of Lake Ogiebick itself. So that's wow. where the inspiration came from to build that rod, because that bite was so different. Mm-hmm. But that's cool to hear that you guys had that jigging bite because not, don't give up on the jigging bite, but we're lucky, and super blessed here in the state of Michigan to have the opportunity to have three sticks in the water at one time. Mm-hmm. A lot of states you go to, it's either one or two, so you don't have that option. So, sure. I mean, it's cool to have different presentations there and then let them tell you what they want.
2: That second pole is extremely important too for when you're reeling off a fish that you can keep them attracted to your area, too. there's still bait down there, there's yeah. still mm-hmm. something to look at, there's something to see. So as you're reeling off, that you're watching your other pole and as soon as you get it up you can either set it down and just focus on it. so I mean it's funny because when it's on it's on right so you're like chaos you're throwing poles all over your shanty <laughs> what are you doing on nothing you, yeah. nothing.
3: <laughs> you know so we, we have a lot of fun with that we like but. running the one man's because uh, super mobile but in this case we weren't that mobile on this yeah. lake and uh at one point you got the little net pockets in your shanty had Kelly on the phone and we were 20 yards apart but the wind was blowing 20 miles an hour so you couldn't hear you know, each, couldn't each other couldn't hear each other it literally <laughs> left him on the phone for 45 minutes while we were fishing. And you could just hear the
1: chaos. Yeah. What are you
3: doing in there? Nothing. You catch a fish? No. <laughs> yeah. but, um.
2: Did, uh, go ahead. Did the bait shop guy say, what the heck you're feeling he, me?
3: No. He, I, did, you, did you hear him say I didn't hear him say anything. No. But the, when we left, he asked why we were buying so much bait. He said, clearly, you guys are getting them. And I was like, yeah, what? I think we're getting a few. I think we're doing OK.
1: Was it Tim? No, well, his name was Andrew. I think Tim. Austin. Tim had surgery that one. I that played I'm like, yeah, shout out Tim.
2: Our bait keeps freezing up, man. I'm like, I just got to keep coming,
3: get more. And I played dove, and he, you know, but we. So I didn't tell him too. until the last day. In the last day, he's like, uh, "You guys are clearly getting them," and I'm like, oh, I, "I think we're doing okay." I'm like, you know, not the greatest or whatever, and I'm, I'm like, we're pretty much catching our. You know our couple big fish a day limit, and I said uh, we're, we're doing it f- between four guys. And he's like, "You're kidding me." Right? Was he like, "Yeah, he's like are you serious." He's like, "Where are you catching them?" He's like, "Did you drop any pins?" And I'm like, "No, I don't use the, that pin stuff." We're like, <laughs> <laughs> we were just out there
1: fishing. Did you say right here?
2: Is yeah, we caught,
3: caught him in the lake up there. No, like damn well we were the only shanties on the lake, he could have oh,
2: drove around the lake and spotted us like actually one other good good uh thing to mention is adjusting right so tom did the work day one yeah it was key to our success and obviously your pins helped a ton lee but then we adjusted which helped a ton with time and machinery which we haven't really talked about yet you know we talked about my machine not you know being up to par but we were traveling a mile i'm like this is so dumb like these snowmobiles keep driving past us and there's a bar right here so i looked up on the map where the bar was and uh <laughs> and uh
1: way past you
2: yeah yes down the road and i said this is a much better this is half the distance away we should go to this bar and so i called them i said hey can we launch from here and uh they said yeah no problem and so that cut down on our travel distance we stopped using the four wheelers so we only used the snowmobile to haul out the big shanty Then we would haul out the two small shanties you know, and within a couple right. trips, we had everyone out. But the snowmobile could handle it. The four wheelers could not handle it. Yeah. Even the thousand cc was it was getting packed full of snow and ice, and the motor was
3: overheating because it couldn't breathe. It could breathe, breathe. it yeah. Could yeah. Breathe and couldn't cool. So um that helped us a ton. Tar- it would make it out there, but even making it out there, I was like full bore. That thing was screaming, and I oh, was doing five miles an hour just so much snow. If you're going up there, you need a sled. You have to take a sled. And
1: I'll just give a recap on ours. And when we were in there in March, I thought the same thing. So I brought. We all brought sleds. Um, but when we were there, one thing to listen to. If you're listening to this podcast now, right now, a lot of people are heading up to Lake Ogiec to get after the perch bike because this is like. On. Yes, and there's a lot of tournaments up there this time of year, and that's the tournament that I got in on, where I told you I won that walleye competition. Mm-hmm. Hence why I gave you guys my weight points because I thought there'd be walleye there's no over walleye there. In that yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, there's walleye that. in there. I'm telling <laughs> you.
2: So what wins a tournament? Like three fish? Or?
1: No. So like they have different buckets for it. So like they have biggest. Okay, so the the point of the tournament is to get the biggest perch. Like that's why everybody goes up there. However, they have they have different buckets after that. So they have biggest walleye, the biggest pike, and biggest crappie all this other kind of stuff and it's really cool like um just getting into the 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 tournament like you can uh you can pull your name from a hat and you can win like free rods like i won a free hat when i was up there so two of us got free rods in Rio. so it's a lot of good time it's a great way to support local businesses up there hotels motels all that kind of stuff but um where i was going with that is like this time of year it's going to be different because Right now, I don't know how it is up there, but downstate, it's warming up. And then get those warm-ups up there. So imagine those two or three feet of snow up there on top of the ice. Just it's all slush. Oh, so man. it's different up there. Even the sleds have a really tough time getting on and off the ice. Snowmobile or, I'm sorry, four-wheeler or side-by-side when the slush is happening, you might as well just not go on the ice I because you're not going to make it. with tracks. Like yeah. Tracks on the side-by-side. Th- that'd be like the things. only way you'd be able to get out there. So yeah. you you're shaming up when there's
3: a foot of slush we <sniffs> do waiters out there
1: <laughs> we got very lucky so a lot of the times when you drill a hole all that water starts to um, some starts to come um, up and it's draining and, and it's slush fest i think on the last day there's a video we have it on youtube but there's a video of us out there cooking chicken patties and it's like 58 degrees
2: in the boat <laughs> in the boat and we're, on, the
1: ice. and we're on the ice and it looks just like a lake across there because you get that water all the way across sure. and, it, and it's warming up so it's a different kind of bite the water's getting really murky from all the runoffs and and when you get to the shore, you got to like really pin it because there's open water before you get back on land. Wow. So anybody listening to this, I don't know what the weather conditions are up there, but if you have a snowmobile, I highly recommend it, even during that time of the year, because things can get really slushy and, and pretty wild up
3: there. I would say anytime, like if I go back for any
1: reason, anytime Sled sled taking a sled. Yeah. And I offered you my sled before you went yes, up there you and you turned did. me down.
2: Hey, the Moto 4 made it most of the way. No, it was like a Moto 3. Yeah, no, no uh Uh, no complaints there but
1: so all encompassing kind of bringing it all full circle um (laughs) would you guys go back uh
3: yeah i would absolutely go back uh it was all in perspective and like we were warned ahead of time kind of what to expect like kel said which was awesome because that kind of changes your mindset on the whole thing sure um apparently we did really good um we had a great time and uh yeah we caught some quality fish the numbers weren't or a ton or by any means you know we were catching you know 10 fish a day maybe um per guy or whatever but uh we were catching big fish like jumbos
2: and i think we ended up with around 44 fish that was including 48 48 okay so two guys the first day and then four guys day two and day three yeah um so we did pretty good it was you know at or close to a limit you know per guy almost each day or whatnot so um we did pretty good because all those fish you know i didn't measure some of them but you know they were pretty much all over that and that above that 12 inch sure. range we caught a few fish that were 14 and a half inch perch jesus uh, so, oh, so, that's so big yeah nice perch uh, i got a couple 15s on the wall over there from simcoe and uh,
3: i mean those are those are big big perch you know that's pretty pretty legit so they were beautiful too they had sweet uh, color was amazing like if you were going to get some perch mounted it'd be a really good perch yeah mount. big old bellies and how nice to be in Michigan our home state and right. to leave is awesome.
2: But the story doesn't end there. What's up? Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> so we ended up leaving uh, we were supposed to be home a day and a half later. Long story short, we drove all the way back and uh, Tom's little honey hole, and we went bluegill fishing. So we spent the night. Had a horrible drive back. Tom oh, was miserable, blown sideways with the with truck trailer. and trailer. Long story short, we drove all the way back. We were in mid lower peninsula, okay. and uh, one of our honey holes. And Tom and I caught limits of bluegill the next morning after a you know, a eight hour drive back. And uh, so we finished out with not only all those perch, but we had fifty some, you know, we had three guys there, so we had over fifty gills. Tom and I caught, you know, a limit each and the other guy caught a few of gills on the way home. <laughs> so it was absolutely
1: awesome. How was like, the weather Christ. downstate?
3: the day, the downstate bluegill fishing the weather was phenomenal <laughs> it the was 32 dr- degrees and sunny <laughs> the drive was absolutely
2: horrendous was vehicle bad. semis jackknifed in the ditches i mean he was yeah. calling
3: me. said i don't know i don't know what we're gonna i was do ready here. to pull over i had uh uh eighteen foot enclosed trailer full of machines and gear and a Chevy twenty five hundred and at one point in time I was sideways going down the road.
1: On like, seventy five or coming back on the?
3: No, it was before we got to the bridge and the okay. UP, but it, and then on seventy five there was cars in the ditch, semis slid off the road, like it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, he's calling me and I'm like, Oh really? I'm I'm doing
2: pretty good. I've been <laughs> a three quarter ton truck pulling nothing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm looking pretty good. But uh I had to be ready for him when we got to the yeah. uh our, our next honey hole. But uh,
1: that's a good way to round out the trip, and it was some bluegill, right? Absolutely awesome, and you know we felt like we
2: had done what we came for. We we caught some big perch, caught some nice perch. We we kind of knew what would happen if we went Thank out you. again, and uh, we were like, let's go chase some gills. And so Tom and I were in having so we were in our jigging game. It's beautiful weather. We're outside our shanties. Of course, we have a competition. I was beating him. Uh, I think we were nineteen to nineteen with an hour left, and uh, he he got me. He ended it out mm-hmm. again. But
1: well, the forty degree difference must have felt like amazing. It was <laughs> unreal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, like, was
3: the first time we fished outside the shanty, and my poles didn't freeze and. Right, felt like we fished
2: from what seven a.m. until noon, and we must have drilled sixty holes. We granted, we know this lake; we fish it all the time. But it's just so funny how the styles change because of the weather. Like we went from fishing three holes a day to in four hours,
3: we we fished twenty-five holes each. We had limits. way to do it we literally went out before daylight and uh did a grid pattern we talked about it before and we laid a grid down with the augers and we had 30 holes in the ice before the sun came up Mm -hmm. and uh, we just started hole hopping and jigging like if it popped up on the flasher we mess with it till we got at the bite and moved to the next hole.
1: Wow. If you can get through those conditions on back anything after that, just going to seem like a blessing. You're yeah. just going to be like, oh, this is, this is fine. Yeah. It right. I the, can deal with that shit.
3: The most extreme part of the trip, the most difficult part was by far the weather. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. If you had better weather, like I'm not saying we'd have done any better or not, but it would have been, uh, you know, a lot easier to hole hop and, and possibly get on more fish. Um, Quick little recap on that. Lee's like, you guys are gonna catch a ton of walleye. Take my walleye rod. Take you know, take all this stuff. If you'll accidentally <laughs> catch walleye. I swear, there's so many walleye in that lake. Between four guys and, and four days of fishing, we, we didn't catch one single walleye—not even by accident.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm a walleye optimist, so like walleye is always on my brain. So regardless, like even if I was up there fishing for perch, I'd be like, I know I'm going to catch a walleye, and I'm just going to be I super
2: stoked. I two jumbo suckers, <laughs> real suckers. Uh, on two pound uh, fluorocarbon line with my it little pole. Broke your hundred thirty dollars. I broke my tiff off of my one <laughs> rod. That kind of sucked. But um, yeah, landed two big suckers, and what was the other one? A whitefish. Uh,
1: man, I caught a whitefish. Oh, uh, dude, you keep that? Yeah, yeah, that's good eating. Yeah, that's a bonus. It's, that's what we it call got a mixed bonus. In
3: with the perch and the bluegill, though, so I'm not sure who got it. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> surprise!
1: Well, good boys. I'm glad you guys did good. Um, you know, anybody listening to this, it is the first week of March in the northern part of the state, especially in the UP, but even northern part of uh, lower part of Michigan. Uh, you still got two, three weeks left of ice fishing. Um, obviously, be careful. Things are warming up. But, um, yeah, I think you guys, like I said, I think you guys did phenomenal. And, um, you know, that's something, hopefully, we uh, we can plan it out a little bit better and I can join next year, because I'd love to go up yeah. there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a like
1: cool trip. I'd like to try to convince you guys to go in March, but... We'll see. We're not so not
2: blessed. To, to <clears throat> we're so blessed to live in Michigan. You have so many opportunities know here: it. hunting, it, fishing, lakes all around, waterfall. I know it's it, a place to be for outdoors. It,
1: it really is. It's like it's like the first perfect chameleon for anything that you that interests you um, and what you want to get involved in. There's so many different. I mean, I mean, you guys know we're always looking forward to the next season, mm-hmm. right?
3: Which we're, is always next week. It never stops.
2: Right?
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's always next week. It's always uh, you know people are like, oh, winter's coming, or Shad I hate hunting shed hunting. i hate this time of year for the it's,
2: snow to go and
1: look yeah, sure look. some people hate when the snow melts and it's muddy and it's nasty out but like if you're a shed hunter it's a perfect time to get I'm out sure. there they're posting some pictures I right thought now it was
3: super cool that we drove you know whatever 10 11 12 hours cuz of the weather but uh, it felt like you're a different part of the country,
2: and
0: yeah.
3: we're still in Michigan. You're still in Michigan. I always love when cool. we're by ourselves.
2: Like to me, like like those guys are nuts. Like I want to be that guy.
1: Right? <laughs> that yeah.
2: is so
3: cool to me that we were the only people fishing. I we thought we were right. Yeah, we talked to one of the guides, and he's like, "Yeah, we're fishing inland ponds, and I got a couple little ponds in the woods. They weren't fishing on the lake because the weather was too extreme." And I was like, "Cool, man, we're going to the lake." <laughs> <laughs> you were
2: keeping that bait shop in business by yourself. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. They gave me a nice koozie, too. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, don't forget, though, before we end this uh, episode here, please wear your safety equipment, your floating suits. Yeah. Have your throw bags. I know I kind of already touched on that before. But as we end ice fishing season in the next month or so, please be prepared. Know that ice is going to deteriorate eventually. Yeah. And, and make some
3: steps. Uh, you know, have a plan. And be prepared for that. Yeah, sure. There ain't no bluegill or perch worth falling through again. getting hurt or worse. Or walleye, or and walleye. thank They're you. No walleye. And Kelly, thank you for this backstrap. It's amazing. I've been eating it. Every bump that you
2: hear, it's my fault from CB. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I asked
1: Kelly and, uh, to cut, cut or Carson to cut some more up during the podcast for me.
2: <laughs> and uh, well, from the beginning of the episode here, the name of the seasoning is Barbers. It's a seasoning salt, and it's got a little bit of everything: salt, red and black pepper, sugar, cornstarch, granulated garlic, and chili powder. So all the essentials. <laughs> the more, the everybody. better, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, you only know, got to get one. Body. (laughs) if you hear this podcast we'll take it yeah yeah. there's no endorsement
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right everybody thanks for listening and uh one more shout out to tim long at uh, timbers resort if you are up on lake ogipik go see him he's got all the wigglers the bait anything that you need in there um lures rods reels all that kind of stuff tim does a good job with all that kind of stuff so shout out to tim and as always thanks for listening